chapter 3. The title of today's message is, Who is the Strong Man? Who is the Strong Man? Um, before we get started, I want to give a little disclaimer, though. Um, who is the strong man? Out of Mark chapter 3, what we're going to do is I, I'm saying this disclaimer because I want you to open up your ears. I want you to see with your eyes, not just what you've seen the scripture as before, what you've um, heard preached out of the scripture before, but to see the gem from a different angle. God hides little gems in his word. And then just when you think that I've got this side and look how beautiful it is, he turns it a little bit and says, now look at this side. So, um, I, cause I've preached this same scripture with, uh, um, the, a different translation. Let's say it that way. Different interpretation. Um, not wrong, just different, just a different side. So, when I, um, whenever God does that, though, when, when he um, shows something to you, be very careful not to get on the condemning, pointing your finger bandwagon and then go around, oh, you were wrong, you were wrong, oh, you were wrong. Okay, don't do that. That's just stupid. Okay? God is way bigger than our understanding. <laughs> and so it's, it's a good thing when he shows you a different side. It's not so you can be haughty about it and say, oh, I've got a secret that you'll never know. It's also so you don't go around pointing, AJ, you're just dumb. You don't know that. You know, you should know it this way. You know, don't do that. Okay. Um, just like you can't feed a steak to a baby. You know, it also looks just equally as foolish when you shove a bottle into an adult's mouth, you know, but they're, both of them are necessary at different times. Okay. So just like. The reason there's four Gospels, all telling the same story, just from different angles, different perspectives. Not wrong, just different. The only time this is not true is if it, if it goes against God's divine nature. So if somebody says, oh, this scripture means if it goes against God's nature, you can go, mm, I don't think so. Because line it up with his nature. That's like somebody coming to me. I've been married to Brian 30 years. And saying, you know what your husband did last night? He was blah, blah. I know him. I'll be like, I don't think so. <laughs> right? Because I'm lining it up against my knowledge of him over 30 years. Don't tell me he did that. Well, you're going to believe him? Uh, yep. So, again... Not wrong, just different. Because neither one of those, I've heard it preached both ways. Like I said, I've preached it both ways. That um, it doesn't go against God's nature either way. Okay, I've tried to clarify and, and make it, I think I've complicated it more, but oh well. Let's just jump in here. We're going to start reading out of verse 7, but like I, I try to teach is don't just read by chapters, don't just read by verses, read by context. 
So make sure you go behind, read the the chunk, and then go after. Really try to see where the where the story was laying out. Okay. Um, It's kind of like somebody saying, I saw Brian stop in front of a, a script joint the other night. I'm like, mm, I don't think so. Oh, you mean at the stoplight that's in front of the, yeah, okay. <laughs> you have to hear the whole story. Oh, okay. So let's kind of look at the whole story. I know, now you're all thinking, I can only talk about Brian in second service because he goes home, he has to work in the afternoon, so... And he never listens to the podcast, so I'm free to talk about him at all times. I'm real good first service. I'm like, honey, I love you. Okay, anyway. So if we look before we jump into um, chapter 3, verse 7, I mean, just quickly, look at this. Mark opens up with John the Baptist preparing the way, baptism of Jesus, the temptation of Jesus. Um, Jesus started walking along saying, follow me, follow me, right? He starts driving out the evil spirits. He starts healing many. He's praying. He's healing more. He heals more. He starts calling even the sinners, follow me. Um, and then all of a sudden, these religious leaders and teachers of the law start popping up questioning him. Oh, who do you think you are? So why don't your disciples have to fast? And how can you do works of healing on the Sabbath? You know, uh, and then all of a sudden, now we're looking at chapter three, verse seven, where it says crowds start following Jesus. So Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, what was he doing? Healing many. Many people came to follow him from, okay, all over. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him, or crowding in on him. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Listen, whenever the evil spirits or unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him out of the crowd these twelve men. He appointed twelve, designating them apostles. Remember what apostles mean? Sent ones. Apostles mean sent ones. And that they might be, listen, oh, sorry, apostles, designating them apostles. That they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. And then he names the twelve. Verse 20. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. You know, when the miracles start happening, and signs and wonders that are just, oh, you know, it, it looks kind of chaotic, crazy, and 
what in the world's going on? Some of your even closest friends and family are going to be like, you are out of your mind. Kind of like some of my messages I preach. I feel like if they could just see in here, they would all call the people with the white coats. She is out of her mind. So I'm just careful to just give a little bit of, but anyway, but it's okay. Because remember, it was his brothers that started preaching after he was raised from the dead. So even your critics can become your preachers. Anyway, that's not even the message for today. So there you go. Verse 22. And the teachers of the law, here they came again, who came down for Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. So Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. So... The word so is because they just made a statement. Because they made that statement, Jesus called them, who? The teachers of the law, the ones that just made that statement, said, get over here. Let's talk about what you just said. And so he asked, how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven, but whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an internal sin. And he said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. So it was about two, three weeks ago I was getting ready. And I heard that verse 27 Clear as day go through my mind. Uh, the, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I heard the Holy Spirit ask me, would you like to know who the strong man is? And I'm like, well, I know who the strong man is. I preached this. Matter of fact, it was pretty good. A couple years ago, I did a part one, part two, binding the strong man. But that just kept going over and over in my mind. Would you like to know who the strong man is? And every time I thought, well, I know who the strong man is, I got that, yeah, but. And then I could see the gem turning. Oh, you want to show me more? Well, yes. You know, when do you say no to that? I'm like, yes. Well, then all these questions, all these thoughts in the context of that verses 7 through 30 started flooding my mind. So I'm like, you know, put aside the blow dryer and, you know, run downstairs and grab my journal. Right. And everything just started coming out. And I just, you know, grabbed my Bible and looking at the context and how it was laid out. So in order to get through this, I'm going to read the thoughts and the questions and the summary 
of what I, what the Holy Spirit downloaded. I'll say that downloaded to me, okay? And then we'll preach. So hold on. But don't give me the same look that first service did, okay? I'll have to look at Rick once in a while. Encourage me, brother. Okay, you're, you're alive. You're breathing. Yes, okay. All right. So here's the thoughts in context, again, that I wrote down. The phrase thoughts, three thoughts. The phrase in fact comes immediately after Jesus refers to a house being divided against itself. Meaning this example is true to the situation being addressed. Remember that the context of this conversation started out of verse 11 that says whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. Showing two kingdoms colliding, the weaker one bowing to the stronger one. And the third thought is the verses right after the strong man reference in verse 27. Jesus states, I tell you the truth. Blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. Which is attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil. Jesus is identifying the power of God's spirit working through him and the way that authority works within the kingdom. So then these questions started flooding my mind. So is Jesus referring to, quote unquote, the house as a person? Well, it would make sense since we are called a house over and over again, the temple, the house, even in another parable Jesus used in Matthew 12, 44, the evil evil spirit says, I will return to the house I left, referring to the man will be worse than the first. When Jesus says, carry off his possessions, If the strong man is the evil spirit, what would we possibly want that he possesses? Other than the individual himself, but the individual, could the individual be the house? No, it's talking about what he possesses. But we have everything the devil wants. So when Jesus says, quote, rob his house, unquote, isn't robbing an illegal act. And no one would refer to taking back what's theirs in their own house as robbing. But the devil is described as the thief. Again, why would Jesus call it his house if the house belonged to the evil spirit that was coming in? So could the strong man be us? Scriptures repeatedly mentions that we are the strong ones. He, the devil, is the weak one. So in context... Would the strong man's house be our bodies? And tying up the strong man be the evil spirits binding us with the sicknesses, illnesses, and diseases that Jesus had been healing many of. Think about it. In order for the evil spirit to rob our house 
of health, he must first tie us up, binding us with these unjust restraints that Isaiah 58 says is due because we are a people that aren't living our rights and our authority. Those unjust restraints are, uh, is when we surrender our rights and responsibility and tie our own hands. So in context, let me read how I summarized these verses in light of us, our house, and what we possess. Jesus was healing many. Evil spirits were falling to their knees, bowing to the stronger kingdom. Jesus appoints the twelve, calling them apostles, designating them in their mission to be with him, to go out and preach, to give them the same power and authority to drive out evil spirits. The teachers of the law began accusing Jesus of being demon-possessed. So Jesus expounds on their statement. How? How can a demon drive out a demon? Better yet, why? Why would a demon oppose another demon? That type of kingdom practice can't exist. In fact, the work of deliverance, restoration, and healing that you've been seeing me do is exactly why I have come to proclaim freedom to the captives, releasing prisoners, setting the oppressed free, driving out the robbers and the thieves to return God's house and possessions back to their rightful owners. The Holy Spirit in me is the same spirit now in my disciples. These are now my sent ones from my kingdom with my authority to drive out the demons who've robbed my children and tied them up, stealing what is rightfully theirs. Complete and total healing is their possession. But be very careful to distinguish, recognize, and discern. The redemptive, restorative work of the Holy Spirit is his and his alone. No man, no demon in hell can do what only he can do. To think otherwise is unforgivable. You are the strong man. You who have called Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior and living as such. Those who love me will do as I command. You're living for the Lord. He's in you. You are the strong one. You are part of his kingdom. There's only two kingdoms. But there's only one strong one. He didn't have to call out, Demons, bow before me! He didn't have to scream and yell and raise his voice. They recognized him as he came. We are the weaker ones. You are the strong one. You are the son of God. You didn't see them puff up their chest and try to fight back. Why do we act like that? As Christians, we are not the weaker one. You know how? You know how it happens? When we bow before the weak one, we surrender all that we have been given to them. Could you imagine the Queen of England going to a pauper on the street 
and laying her crown at his feet. Oh, no! But how does he get her crown? Only if she surrenders it to him. There's no struggle. The only struggle is when you listen to the thief and the robber trying to get into your house. Oh, you're a worm. I know what you were thinking as they're sneaking in to your house. You can't do oh, I know what you've done. And they get close enough and you keep listening until you surrender. And then they tie you up. And I know the whole controversy, well, you know, can a Christian be possessed? Now, possessed, I mean, we're talking, you know, foaming and at the mouth and spitting and rolling and, you know, I don't see anybody doing that right now. If you do, don't worry, we have a name higher than all other names. And anyway, so you'll get freedom if that starts happening. Don't worry, there's only one strong kingdom. It doesn't change that fact. But that surrendering of our rights and our authority to the enemy, the weaker one, allows that general, you know, sliding that slope into what could be complete possession, if you want to call it. Whatever. Because you continually give over. And no, I'm not going to use that example. No, that was bad, Lord. I'm not going to say that. I keep feeling the prod. Now, I know it's got to be one of my... Okay, anyway. Back in the heathen days, when somebody would, would say, Hey, come over, you know, to my house. It wouldn't just be two or three people. Why? Because they would get word, Oh, there's a house open. There might be food there. Let's go. And next thing you know, you got a hundred and some people there. All you know. Oh, I was going to use that example when Carrie and I, you guys were gone. The, Mom and Dad were gone. Carrie and I were not good little kids. Anyway, and we just wanted to invite a couple people over. But those people told those people that told more people that told more people. And Carrie and I is running around the house. we got to get these people out of here. You know, they're tearing up the house. And, you know, how did they all get here? That same thing. You don't think that just one little thief is going to come in. No, he's screaming to his neighbors. Ah! I got more! Good Christian men and women have fallen prey to these unjust restraints simply by not walking in the power and authority they already possess. You already have it, but when you believe the enemy's junk, you surrender it over to him. And then as soon as you bow your knee to him and oh yeah, that's true and oh, he ties you up. Yes, and robs your house. Fill your house full of God. Know what he's given you. And it's got to go from here, from the head. I just heard it. 
to now I believe it. It is mine. It is mine. It is mine. You have given me complete healing. You have given me everything I need. I mean, the, the message that was spoken today, he says, ask me, ask me, ask me. What do you want? Ask me. Come on, ask me. He is a good, good father. And then I step out and I start applying it. Now I'm walking. Now my house is being full. Now I'm filling my house up. And the more I walk it out, the more I read it and, and take it in, believe it and apply it, the more I do that, I build what's the military. I hear the military use it a lot. It's a muscle memory. Which is they overtrain, do this, do, when you hear this, do this, when you hear this, do this, when you hear this, do this. And then they start throwing on some extreme conditions on you and still, now when you hear this, do this, hear this. Do, no, don't hear the surroundings, don't hear what's going on. Do Why? So that wherever you're at, whatever's going on, you hear this, you do that. Right? Military, anybody know that? Military, okay. Over and over and over again. Now, I went to a CPL class a few weeks ago, and we did the setting in the class, learning the principles. This is what a gun is. This is all the parts of the gun. These are the bullets, and this is how you put the bullet, and you put the bullets in the little magazine, and you slap the magazine up in that thing, and then you, you know, pull this thing, and I know, Devin, don't hate me, he's back there, oh my gosh, just use the technical term, no, I, anyway, and pointy at that thingy, and you line it up, and if you pull the trigger, and then if wherever you're, that's where the bullet's going to go, right? Principles, right? Yeah, hopefully, right? principles then we went out on the gun range and then she's like everything I just taught you in class now do it at your station oh they put the bullets in the thing put the thing in the thing and cut the thing and wind it up and you know then do it at the thing and let me tell you the first one I hit actually it looked pretty good and I'm like <laughs> that's pretty good did everybody see that one where's yours and then she's like, no, keep shooting. I'm like, oh, okay. Shot the next one. I'm like, where did that go? <laughs> I did all the right things. I did the bullet in the thing and the thing and the cock the thing and lined it up and even stood like she told me to stand, you know. I'm like, what happened? Now, I didn't throw the gun down and say, this is stupid. It doesn't work. You know? What did I do? Loaded it again. Right? And I keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting. And she was telling us, because we, we'd have to break and load up the magazines again. And she goes, you know, and I have, also teach a class. She was a five-year, um, I can't even think, anyway, military. Uh, she goes, I also teach an extreme class that, she goes, you'll be doing the same kind of stuff, but then I'll let you start shooting, and then I'll go around and start screaming and yelling at you, hitting things, and even pushing you once in a while. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, because you got to learn how to do this no matter what the conditions. And I'm like, oh, that's true. So, But that Bill, she, and she kept talking about muscle memory. Know that the principle stands no matter what the condition. You do this, you do this, you load this. And she goes, and every once in a while you might hear. 
instead of the gun. Yeah. She goes, something's wrong. Hurry up, get that thing out of there and shoot it again. Yes, that's good. She goes, you don't focus on what went wrong when you're facing an attacker. You just keep doing what you're trained to do. And she said, that's the muscle memory. Keep doing. The principle remains the truth. Yes. And I'm like, that is so good. Because when somebody comes and they want, I have a headache, would you pray for me? I did just take a couple aspirins, but would you pray for me? You should have the same intense prayer as you do for the stage four cancer. Yes, come on. Oh. And you should have the same intensity for the stage four cancer being healed and the person getting up out of the hospital bed as you do for the headache. That circumstances do not define the principle. Lay hands on the people so they will be healed. Just do it. Well, what if it doesn't happen every time? Load it again. Shoot it again. Put another bullet. Aim again. Shoot again. What if it doesn't happen? Shoot again. Just keep doing it. The principle does not change the truth. The truth is the truth. And we've said this over and over again the past few weeks because it's, again, it like, ah. The doctor gives you a report. It's a fact, right? They've done all the investigating. They've given you a report. It's a fact. What trumps fact? Truth trumps fact. Yes, it's a fact. Don't deny it. Don't hide it. Don't lie about it. That's just stupid. All right? Oh, I'm not sick. Really? It's not running down off your, you know, face. You sound like you swallowed a frog, but you're not sick. No, I'm healed in Jesus' name. Oh, okay. So what do you do? Now you're bound. You're like, okay, well, then I guess if you're healed, I'm going to not pray for you. But if you're sick and you want the truth to trump your the fact that you're sick, yeah. let's talk about it. Yeah, come on. Shoot that sucker, right? Yeah, let's get him healed. So develop that muscle memory. So just start doing it. Just start doing it. So every time somebody says, hey, I've got a vehicle that's broke down. Let's pray. Do you know how many times when I was an gave my heart back to the Lord, that I laid hands on a vehicle that was on empty and drove miles. Yes. Not like a couple miles, like 50, 60 miles to do what I had to do to get back again. We had this old green van, which was a step up from the orange pinto thing, pumpkin. We called it the orange pumpkin. That It was rusted out of the floorboard, so I had to hold my feet up in my seat. So... I'm serious. So the green van thing was a better, and it was one of those big old commercial vans that over and over again, every, it was like, uh, every second time you'd start it, it just wouldn't start. Well, I was getting all filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm like, this thing, it's got the bow to the name of Jesus. So Carrie got in the vehicle. I was leading my sister back to the Lord. And she got in the vehicle, and sure enough, didn't start. And I said, watch this. In the name of Jesus, start. Boom. She's like, how did you do that? I said, it's got to bow to the name of Jesus. I just learned that. But doing stuff like that over and over again. What's doing that stuff? This. 
Do you really believe this? Then start doing that. Develops that muscle memory that you just, you know, instinctively, oh, I'll pray for that vehicle. Oh, I'll pray for that foot. Oh, you don't have an eyeball? I did just hear that one. Eyeball grows up in the socket. You know, I, I saw, no, there was no ear there. And I'm like, well, hey, in the name of Jesus, oh, there's something growing there. Oh, that's freaky. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Let's do that again. Right? And yet that hope and excitement. Let's keep going. Keep doing it again. Doing it again. So I want to just kind of get to that closing here and answer that question. Who is the strong man? Again, think about this. We are all that Satan wanted to be. He wanted to, to sit on the throne of God. He wanted to be the one, the glory of the Lord. He wanted to be the one everybody, he wanted to have the, all the power. He wanted to have all the authority. We are created in God's image. We are seated with Jesus on his throne. We have been given all power and authority. We are the display of his glory. We have all that Satan wants. He is the thief and the robber of all that is rightfully ours. Satan was not put on this earth to torment us. Remember, his fall came first. We were put on this earth to torment him. He is the weaker kingdom. We are the strong man. And it's time to take back what is rightfully ours. So would you just start that movie? Would you? Movie. Music. No, no popcorn. No movie. Later. It's going to be a rainy day, I heard, so do that later. But would you just start that music? I've asked the worship team to not come up so that they can just be part of this altar time. And would you just stand and let me, let me just try to wrap this up again. Remember the whole context, Jesus healing many, Jesus healing many, Jesus healing men, many, right? And then he appoints his 12, gives them this title that means sent ones, apostles, and then gives them their job description. This is what the sent ones do. They're with me. Jesus said, remember in the Great Commission, you go and wherever you go, I am with you always. They are with me. They will go and preach. He said, share the good news. Teach all. Preach. Teach all. And then he said, I'm giving you power and authority to drive out all these demons. To drive out from my children the thief and the robber that's trying to steal what's rightfully theirs. And whether we're talking about a Christian who's in the kingdom or one who's not yet in the kingdom, 
the principles the same that house that he knit together this body that he knit together in your mother's womb is not anyone else's all that he died for us the world remember John 3.16 for God so loved the world not just the good ones the world and everything he said everything that's mine I give it to you to what just us no to all to all they just don't know it yet the world just don't know it yet shame on us the ones that do know that but we've bowed our knee to that weaker kingdom and let him tie us up and rob our house and that was something else God was showing me after first service that it's not just remember yes 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 it's for us for our freedom for our authority for our power so we walk in victory so we walk and live out this abundant life yes 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 and so that we pick up that armor allow him to slap on every piece of that armor great big old sword great big old shield upon us and send us out why to tell everyone else you're free don't you know you're free you don't have to it's he died for you died for me we are supposed to be the taste and see of the Lord oh, look at me our eyes be open to see us the way God sees us and you know the whole idea of what because he says remember what you cannot see is greater than what you can see all right so I know with our physical eyes you all are seeing a short little fluffy old lady but when I look in the mirror even I have to train my eyes to see spiritually that I am eight foot tall, great big, strong arms, long legs, just because I want them. Anyway, big old sword on my side, bloody shield. Sorry, I just like went off. And bloody shield, you know, my butt kicking armor on to go out and win more. To go out and fight for more. To go out and expand his kingdom. Why? Because it says the whole earth is moaning for the sons of glory to take their place. Do you know who you are? You are the strong man. So we need to start seeing ourselves as that strong man. With all heaven's armies. All heaven's armies standing, waiting to fight. Not just for us, but with us. I like that because I want to kick some butt. I like doing that. 
and the devil will see me coming and I won't have to scream or yell. He'll bow before I even get there and say, you have the spirit of God in you. Oh, yes, I do. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you love the world. You love the world. God, even in my worst sinful state, you loved me. You saw me in the mud. You saw me in the pit. You saw me in my despair. You saw me when I thought nobody cared. And you scooped me up and washed me off. Kissed me on the cheek and held me close. God, you whisper in our ear. You sing over us like a father would hold his child and sing my name, a name that only you know. Purposes and plans greater than I could ever dream. You've already written in your book for me. For every one of us. And God, you slap on this humongous armor that we think is too big, but then you breathe upon us and we explode bigger than life. And you designate us and call us your apostles, the sent ones from your kingdom, bearing your name, carrying your sword and your shield. And expanding your kingdom and setting prisoners free and setting captives free and releasing those that have been held in their own houses with these unjust restraints. And we speak freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom. 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 I want you right now as... Uh, 